Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish, and the hope of the unjust perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is jubilation. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. A talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. But the blameless in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters yet increases more, And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly 
and the sinner. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, three weeks ago, we began studying the volume of verses on the righteous and what is declared in the book of Proverbs that comes in the the path, if you would, of us looking at the pearls of wisdom. We've been looking at the book of Proverbs since last June. And in the pearls, we have moved on through all these uh, pearls, moving now into um, what it talks about, a righteous individual. This is part three in that. And as we've considered it, we considered, first of all, the, the meaning of what it means to be righteous. What is it? What is the Bible talking about? Well, and we saw then that which is righteous is that which is right according to someone's standard. So the reality is, sadly, that we all have different standards of righteousness. But the only standard of righteousness that really matters is God's standard of righteousness. And that's biblical righteousness. So when we talk about the righteous, we really are more talking about those who have chosen to receive and accept the standard of God's righteousness and then have sought to live according to that. And so we see that then used in Genesis 15, verse 5 and 6. That's talking about Abram uh, before he becomes Abraham. And um, that God told him to go out to look at the stars to see if he could count them and said then that his, his descendants would be as the stars of the sky. And then we're told something very important, that Abraham, Abram, what? Believed in Yahweh, believed the Lord, and Yahweh counted it to him for righteousness. And the word accounted, again, we've talked about in that point, that time, about things being added or imputed to your account, like a, like a, um, a ledger. So even though um, I, in and of myself, and we talked about it in Sunday school, I, in and of myself, am unworthy, and I am unrighteous, that God chooses then, according to his um, grace and his mercy, to place in my account, to strike out all that I owe, and actually then supersede it with his own righteousness in my account. Based upon nothing else but only believing that he wants to do it. That's it. Then we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 6 then that those who, who believe that, that those who will accept his righteousness, then will then desire to walk according to his righteousness. So again, as Jesus said, change the way you think. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you change the way you think, then ultimately it will help you change the way you act. So if you then begin, that's why Justin even talked about the, the, what I talk about, the self-talk. But I have to be able to speak truth even to myself at times. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things be of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, to think, legitsumai, to meditate upon these things. Those are that which is, if you would, right according to the standards of God. I have to choose to think on right 
things. So in a sense, you are what you think. And so garbage in, garbage out. God in, God out. And so Paul then talks in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable act of worship or service. The, the word lutreo is like what we talk about. We call this a worship service. Okay, and that's so that word there in the Greek actually is can be translated as service or worship. It's actually serving God as a, a means of worship. But he goes on and says, and then do not be conformed to this world, but rather be what? Transformed into renewing your mind. So I just want to encourage you as we go into this again, that as we talk about blessed are the righteous, that it's it really is this mindset that you need to have, that you need to be willing to submit to the righteous standards of God. Because in a sense, really, it goes against our selfish nature, our grain, the way we, we want to. We then moved into the inclinations of the righteous, looking at his teachableness. And again, the massive verses that we've looked at in these, each of these, these are just representative, but that the fact is that the righteous individual will be humble. He'll be teachable because he knows that ultimately it is not his righteousness and that he in and of himself isn't righteous, but rather he is a sinner who is only saved by the grace of God. And so therefore he knows that he needs to continually be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ, which means that there are times for him to learn, to be taught. His tenderness then in that as well is demonstrated even in the... Um, how he treats his, his animals. His thoughts, the thoughts of the right, um, the thoughts of the righteous are right. I don't know why I'm missing a word there, but anyways, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. And then the tongue of the righteous, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So then if I am placing and I'm thinking on, and I'm meditating upon that which is righteous according to the standards of God, and I'm being welled up within it, within me with it, then when I speak, when I'm squeezed, then what's in me will come out. And so if I'm meditating upon the righteousness of God, then what will come out of me is the righteousness of God. The impact of the righteous, we looked at then two weeks ago, um, the impact of the righteous in their family and then also in their community. And and note what it says up here in their family. The house of the righteous is blessed. The memory of the righteous is blessed okay and the fact is then um and we see the the socio-political effects of the righteous and i could have basically said then that the um the cities and nations of the righteous are blessed as well there is again that concept that that god gave as a promise to abraham in genesis chapter 12 that blessed are those who what bless you and cursed are those who curse you and there is this this cause and effect thing that does happen and that is that as those who are the righteous lead and as they live boldly in the righteousness of god then there will be this effect that comes through their life upon those they interact with and so joe i'm thinking if you don't mind me using use illustration with that the gentleman um at your work and how you had the, the, the boldness, the opportunity to be able to share Jesus with this guy, 
who was ready to do something harmful to himself would have had an adverse effect, if you would, to other people that he was around. But now you and Zach have the opportunity to share Jesus with him. He realizes that Jesus is the answer. His life is now transformed in one week. Everybody else around him starts to see that. It has nothing to do with this guy. But it has everything to do with this guy being used by God. But the the effect of this guy being used by God, even during the course of this week in the life of other individuals, would never have happened if, and it's not to lodge you, but if Joe wouldn't have been willing to be used as a righteous example. But I dare say that it's not even Joe, but God used somebody in Joe's life at one point. Do you get where this plays out? Somewhere along the line in this nation, the righteous cease being the righteous. And the wicked began to overthrow. And instead of pointing fingers at the wicked, we ought to be looking in the mirror at those who we refer to as the righteous. And asking God honestly, what wicked ways am I harboring in my life that I need to confess and that I need to turn from? Again, Go back up to the previous slide in the inclinations of the righteous. One who is truly righteous will be teachable. And Nadia, according to your testimony as well then, who's that teacher? The Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it was profitable for us for him to leave. I can't imagine that in that day. What do you mean it's profitable for me for you to leave? I mean, you're it. You have the words of life. Who else are we going to go to? Oh, no, no. It's it's better for you for me to leave. Because if I go, I'm going to send you the Holy Comforter. And he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to convict the world of righteousness, judgment, and sin. He's going to remind you of my teachings. Which goes hand in hand with the Great Commission that Jesus gave us. Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what? What they did? All that I have commanded, all that I have taught you, you teach them. Well, who's really going to do it? The Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. How cool is that? And so we who are called by his name, who are the righteous, whether or not we are, positionally, positionally, if you've accepted the free gift of salvation, you are the righteous. He has justified you. He has glorified you. Romans chapter 8. Whether we have seen it yet or not, it is a fact. Again, speak truth 
to yourself. These things are true. But then he says in Romans chapter 6, very clearly, I offer myself as a slave to obey the one I choose to obey. Whether of sin leading unto death or obedience leading unto... Unto what? Righteousness. Righteousness. I choose to walk as the righteous or not. And how I choose to walk will have an effect upon my family and upon those who live around me. And I submit to you that we are where we are today because we've chosen to walk like the world and not like Jesus. And it's time to stop pointing fingers at others. As James 1 says, to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. For any who is a hearer of the word and not a doer is like a man who beholds himself in the mirror. He beholds himself and goes his way, and straightway he forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. You can take it or leave it. That's just my challenge before we get into the meat. That's where Bob's struggle is. I'm no different than you are. I can read all these verses. It can make us feel really good. But what am I going to do with it? The inheritance of the righteous is extremely exciting. Last week we read Psalm 37. In Psalm 37, we saw who we are in Christ, in Yahweh, in God. God will not allow his righteous ones to perish. Does that mean that we'll never die? Of course we're going to die. It's appointed unto man, what? Wants to die. Unless you're here when the harpazo or the Latin word rapturo, rapture of the church, happens. If you're here when Jesus comes in a cloud and you get to be taken up, then praise God. I'm, I kind of wonder sometimes, are we still going to be all have massive heart attacks at that moment so that we're taken up? Are we still going to go through the portal of death? Or are we going to, I mean, just, I don't know how it's going to play out. You know, I just know it's going to be, whoa, boom, it's going to be there. And so it's going to be so exciting. And everybody's made all these theologies about missing bodies and that kind of stuff. And we're not really necessarily told that. All I know is to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. And I'm not worried about the tent. You, you get the tents, I don't care what happens to the tent. Because I'm going to get another one. This mortal will put on immortality. This, this corruptible, this corruptible, this corruptible will put on, praise God. I can't even comprehend that. I mean, talking about I can't comprehend eternity, and I've talked to some of you, it just causes my brain to spin and spin and spin, and I can go into tears. I can't comprehend what it means to not be selfish. To be really righteous. You get it? Man, I yearn for that. That's who I am. That's my position. And so, Proverbs 15, verse 29, though, says, Yahweh is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. He hears them. 
you ever wonder whether God listens to you? If you are living according to, I'm not talking about perfection, the desires and standards of God, then there's one thing you can know. God hears you. In 1 John chapter 5, we're told that if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, then you know that you will receive. You want name and claim it? This is biblical name and claim it. Not according to Bob's will, but according to God's will. You ask for anything according to God's will, and God promises he's going to do it. You want to be sanctified? That's his will for us to be sanctified. First Thessalonians chapter, Second Thessalonians chapter 4, one of those Thessalonians chapter 4. Which one is it, guys? Help me out. Is it First or Second Thessalonians chapter 4? This is the will of God for you, even your sanctification. First Thess. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Yes, because there's not chapter, four chapters, I don't think, in Second Thessalonians 23. So, so it had to be. Imagine logic. Had to think about it long enough. You want it? God's promised what? Well, it, ultimately it's coming, but God promised he'll help you do it. That's a good pray according to the will of God. God hears the prayer of the righteous. His foundation. Let's look at some verses here. Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. We read Proverbs chapter 10 at the beginning of this study um, a few weeks ago. But in Proverbs 10, we see verse 3. Yahweh will not allow the righteous soul to famish, but he casts away the desire of of the wicked verse 24 and 25 the fear of the wicked will come upon him but the desire of the righteous will be granted when the whirlwind passes by the wicked is no more but the righteous has a what everlasting foundation why what is there what is this foundation of the righteous say again Okay, it's a rock. Don't, don't talk theology. See, you've been saved long enough now. All of a sudden, you're starting to talk Christian, you know? <laughs> Think about it. We do that, right? You know, we, we, talk, we talk this Christian, Christianese, and, and so you go out there, and, and, and somebody out there says, a rock, 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 me. All right, I'm on the rock now. You know, no. What's the foundation of the righteous? Jesus, can I submit to you, from the Christian perspective of Jesus, but it's God himself. Yahweh and Jesus is the manifestation. But I think it's important when you, again, so the concept of the triunity of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is the job of the Holy Spirit? Convict, but really to what? Say it. To lead us to Christ. What, was the, what is the job of Jesus? The point is to the Father. Do you get it? Ultimately, the goal is the point, and I can't understand this because I know the three are yet what? One. And it was Yahweh incarnate was on the earth. But yet, within the Godhead, there is three personages. And the Son came to glorify the Father. He came to fulfill the will of the Father. He was sending the Holy Spirit in order to point us to Jesus, to point us to the Father. My foundation is God himself, who I cannot, cannot 
fathom, nor fully, righteously describe, other than to share what he has described about himself. He is. That's why he chose the name. I am that I am. He is the uncaused cause. He is that which causes my brain to spin. I can't understand an uncaused cause. I don't know how it plays out on the other end either. But I know that it's true. And it's an everlasting foundation. Because he is everlasting. Verse 30. Proverbs 10, verse 30. The righteous will never be what? Removed. But the wicked will not inhabit the earth. You, you getting all this? I mean, God is not going to abandon us. Chapter 11, verse 8. The righteous is delivered from trouble when it comes, and it comes to the wicked instead. Verse 9. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. Verse 21. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered verse 28 he who trusts in his riches will fall but the righteous will flourish like foliage chapter 12 verse 3 a man is not established by wickedness but the root of the righteous cannot be moved verse 13 the wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips but the righteous will come through trouble verse 21 no grave trouble will overtake the righteous but the wicked will be filled with evil mischief you heard that but okay chapter 14 chapter 14 verse 32 the wicked is banished in his wickedness but the righteous has a refuge in his death chapter 18 proverbs chapter 18 i love the sound of the pages going like that i'm going to start saying real fast so you go Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of Yahweh is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Chapter 24, verse 15 and 16. Do not lie in wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. Do not plunder his resting place. Why? For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Chapter 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. And then chapter 29, verse 6. By transgression, an evil man is sneered, but the righteous sings and rejoices. Why? Because they have this confidence in their foundation that God will never, ever leave me nor forsake me. Do you remember the account of Moses? As he was dealing with my mind blanking out right now, the guys who were testing, challenging his authority. No, no, not Miriam. That was another one. But the, the, when the earth parted, 
No, Nadabihu were the, the sons of Aaron. Yeah. Korah. Yeah, the sons of Korah. So not the sons of Korah. That's, those are the writers of Psalms, but yes. And so, but yes, when they were out there and they sought the challenge, and Moses says, if, if these guys don't die in a, in a way that everybody's going to understand the judgment of God, then I'm not the, the, I'm not the, the mouthpiece of God, right? And what happened to the wicked at that moment? Their foundation moved away, didn't it? And boom, they went on down. But the foundation under Moses did what? Stayed. Now, would be that it would be kind of nice sometimes for us to be able to do that to somebody, right? You know, that's what I said. You always be glad I'm not Jesus, you know, because I mean, I'm, I'm up there. You know, you want to see him? God, watch this, baby. Boom, you're gone. And so... But God will never, ever leave us nor forsake us. So we're told that there is no troublesome situation that's overtaken us, but such is what? Common to man. But that God is faithful and that he will not allow me to be troubled beyond what I'm able to what? Bear up under, but also will with that troublesome situation, also make a way to escape. So that even if I don't think I can deal with it, he's still going to make me a a hyperspace zone, a jumping point. Because he always will be my foundation. Everlasting. Therefore, I should then have a great expectation, a hope that is built upon this everlasting foundation. So, turn back to Proverbs chapter 10 again. Verse 28. Proverbs 10, verse 28. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Chapter 11, verse 23. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Verse 31. If the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? Chapter 13, verse 5. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 9. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. Verse 21. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. Verse 25. The the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. I looked down and my E looked like a C and I got the righteous cats. And I'm like, that, that doesn't go together. There's no, no such thing as a righteous cat. Anyways, so I had to pause for a moment trying to figure that one out. But the righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. Chapter 21, verse 12. The righteous God wisely considers the house of the wicked overthrowing the wicked for their wickedness. 
What's your expectation? What's your ultimate hope? Are you hoping, I mean, are you like hoping for something here on the earth? Are you hoping that some way all of a sudden we have a new Messiah who's leading the United States and the United States becomes the blessed nation? If you are, your, your hope is so short-sighted. The blessed hope is my living in the presence of God for all of eternity. Don't be short-sighted. That's my expectation. That's why I do what I do. That's why I live. Listen, if it's not real, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, if Christ isn't risen from the dead, then everything we do is in vain. You might as well party and have fun and die in sin because you're not going to give an account for it anyway because you're just going to go back into the big orb of, of nature. But we know that's not true. We know what truth is. And so we desire to live according to the righteous standards of the righteous God because we know one day we're going to stand before Him and live in His presence. And He will bless. Chapter 13, verse 21, Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Even if I don't see it here on the earth, one day I'll see it. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves what? treasures on the earth where the rust and the moth are going to what they're going to eat and destroy it they're going to corrupt it but rather lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither the moth nor rust will destroy it or corrupt it again what's my focus am i seeking first the kingdom of god and his righteousness hmm. do you see how this plays together I mean, it's just an amazing thing. The righteousness of God is huge. And it plays out into my life. The inheritance, then, of the righteous is out of this world, isn't it? Amen. The injunction to the righteous. This is huge. This can seem like an afterthought, but this is not the afterthought. But this is really based upon everything else we've talked about. This is the sobering warning for us, that every one of us, honestly, can relate to. And probably, I don't want to, you know, put everybody in the same bus with me, but that we've all experienced it in some manner. The injunction to the righteous. Proverbs 12, verse 26 says, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked does what? Leads them astray. Proverbs 2, then verse 10 to 22, we read, and I'm going to skip some verses here. When wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an assumption happening here, isn't there? What is it? Wisdom's going to enter your heart, and knowledge is going to be pleasant to your soul. So when wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will, that's a promise. Discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of 
evil from the man who speaks perverse things. When wisdom and knowledge become important to you and you're spending all your time, not all your time, but you get what I'm saying, reading and studying and meditating upon, memorizing the Word of God so that Holy Spirit can bring it back, leading you into all truth, can remind you of these things, it will keep you from the way of evil. Do you know why we stumble and we fall? Because we're spending time being taught by the world rather than the word. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave, note the word, those who leave. What does that mean to you? Say again. It's a choice, but, but it's going to preserve you from those who leave. They were once, not just me, I'm going to be protected from those who were. Or who seemed to have been. Get it? When wisdom enters my heart and knowledge is pleasant to my soul, it will protect me and keep me from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Just in the past year or two, we've heard of big-name theologians who have walked away. One in particular that is, was huge to me, that I just couldn't believe, that would declare himself as not a Christian anymore. Leaving the path of what? Of uprightness. Well, if you were focusing on that person, on that idol, and not on the God who stands above and beyond, then you would what? You'd falter. And so years ago, there were multiple pastors, teachers, who faltered, who fell. And there were many individuals who fell with them, whose faith was destroyed. But ultimately, it wasn't the true faith. Because if your faith is destroyed when a man falls, that means that your faith was in who? The man and not in the God. Your foundation really wasn't a what? Everlasting foundation. That's exactly right. It was the wrong foundation. You had your foundation in a man, not, not on the actual God. To keep you from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Listen, I don't believe I'm ever going to do this. Okay, I mean, but if I... That's why we have questions and answer times at the end. That if I teach falseness, somebody... And if I'm teaching falseness, you ought to not even wait for the question and answer time. I mean, for real. Okay? Someone ought to be saying, uh, enough, enough. Where do you get that from? And if I can't support it, right, then, then we got a problem. Okay? I was going to say, you're taking me back too far there now. You're causing me to stumble, brother. You want me to finish the rest of that song? Anyways, so <laughs> I'm messing with you, Ray. So um, i got to refocus. <laughs> One or two notes I could deal with. The rest of the song was hard. Anyways, but, but yeah, if I stand up here and I start teaching falseness, you got to hold me accountable. James 3.1 be not many teachers or masters. Such have the greater what? 
condemnation. Okay? Verse 20. We get to the other side. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of what? Righteousness. For the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. You say, I just don't see it. I don't see it. What I see in this world, what I see in this land is the what? Seemingly direct opposite but again that's short-sighted we know as paul harvey said the rest of the story we know the final solution you can read the book of the revelation and know how the end's going to play out i don't care if you want to spiritualize it I was talking to Andrew and, you know, about there are guys who teach it and they spiritualize it. I take it literally. What God said, what he said, what he said, and it's what's going to happen. But even if you spiritualize it, in the end, you got to realize that there's a, there's a victory happening. And you're on the winning team. And in the end, who's going to dwell in the land? The righteous. That's exactly right. And you know what's really exciting about that, though? It's not this land. It's a new heaven and a new earth. One that's not stained by our own corruption of sin. Romans 8 says that even the earth, even the earth, creation itself, is yearning for the redemption. How exciting is that? Proverbs 4, verses 14 and 19. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just, in the Hebrew, the righteous, Zasak, is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Therefore, again, the righteous should choose his friends, what? Carefully. For the wicked, the way of the wicked will lead him astray. So Proverbs thirteen twenty: he who walks with the wise will be what? Wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. The injunction to the righteous, choose your friends carefully. Careful of who you hang out with. Because whether you think it or not, remember, he that thinks he's strong, take heed lest he, or thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. And as we're told with the, in adultery, that every man who fell was a strong man, right? That whether you think you're it or not, the reality is that God's word says you're not. Okay? And so, Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Why? Because there's a progression. If I begin to walk with them, then I will begin to spend more time with them. Eventually, I'm just going to sit down in fellowship with them. And begin to act like, think like, talk like them. But rather, the blessed man is the one who meditates upon the law of the Lord. 
and he spends time in it day and night. And he shall be then like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And whatever he does shall prosper. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. It's a statement. It's a fact. God said so. You can think that you're wiser than God. Nobody would say that. But we what? We act like it. Be careful who you hang out with. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go out and evangelize. You need to go out and evangelize. But if hanging out with the world is a whole lot more fun than hanging out with believers, be careful because you've gone across the line. So in the end, to what or who are you looking to in these trying times? What's your mooring? What's your foundation? Are you anxious or expectant as you consider the future? I'm really not anxious. I'm looking forward to three to six months from now as a nation, as we talk about it. I'm looking forward to what a year from now is. I'm not worried. But I'm anticipatory. Something's going to happen. But my expectation is ultimately way beyond us. Because regardless of what happens this year in our nation, regardless of what happens in the next four years in our nation, regardless of what happens in the next 100 years if God tarries in our nation, it doesn't really matter. 100 years from now, guess what? I ain't here. And I don't want to mean I don't care because I'm not here and I don't want to act like one of those kings, but you get what I'm saying. Ultimately, my expectation, my hope, my confidence isn't in this land. How is the righteousness of Christ being portrayed in your life? It ought to be. Are there friends, acquaintances, individuals, media personalities, or other influencers in your life with whom you need to part company? Note the next question. Who are they? It's easy to say, well, maybe. Who are they? And what are you going to do about it? If you have individuals who are encouraging you not in the righteousness of God in your life. They are bad influences. What are you going to do about it? I work with them. I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. You still can. If they're bad, if you're working with them and they're a bad influence, in you, bad influence on you, then what, what's the decision you need to make? I work with them. I have to hang out with them. Don't hang out with them outside of work. Good. Okay. Good, Zach. Say it. What would you say, Zach? Speak out against them. Be bold. That's exactly right. I know if that's the case, if they're influencing me, that means i got to be what? i got to get stronger here. i got to become even bolder. I've got to become the influencer. In love. Thanks, John. I speak the truth. In love. That's right. I don't want to be rude and unkind. But I've got to be firm in what my expectation is, knowing the foundation that I stand on in the truth that I seek to represent. No, exactly right. I don't want to sound superior. But can I, can I be just boldly straight? I am superior. But I'm not. 
you get what I'm saying? This, 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 this is really rough. This is where true humility has to play out. I, I don't know how to say this otherwise, but I have got the one absolute truth in the entire world. It's not for sale. It's not for debate. If in anybody's mind that makes me having a superior complex, then I'm have a superior complex. Because it's the fact. And so, now, humility in love, I'm going to present that. But I'm not going to back down on it. I'm not going to say, well, okay. No, it's not okay. This is where I can become arrogant. And I don't want in myself to be arrogant in it. But the fact is, the truth is the truth is the truth. And it's not going to what? I mean, for someone to say that gravity is gravity is not arrogance. Even, even though someone may say, well, I just don't believe that. I just, I, I just think, I don't care what you think. I, I've said that a lot when we talk about Bible. You know, people say, what I think, I don't care what you think. I, I don't mean to be rude. I really don't mean to be rude. I really don't want you to care what you feel. I don't care what you think at this moment. What I want to know is what does God's word say? And where are you in line with it? And the same thing goes when I look in the mirror. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. It only matters what God says. So if that makes me arrogant and having a superiority complex and unloving, then, then so be it. But I don't want that to be my demeanor, right? Signal regiment. Get the message through. My job is to get the message through. I can't do it in a way that's confluent that you don't hear it. I want to put it out, the message out, so you hear the message. What you do with the message is on you. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you not only called us to righteousness, you knew that we wouldn't be able to live to it. And so you came to die for us. To be, to pay the penalty of our sins, to be the propitiation for our sins. <laughs> that you would impute to me, to us, your own righteousness. That we might be able to stand in your presence. To dwell with you forever. What an awesome gift. God, forgive me for not treating it with the worth always that it is worth, but rather seeking and deceiving myself to consider my own righteousness like it's something. And it's just a filthy rag compared to yours. Father, help us to magnify you. Help us to be the lights that you desire for us to be in the midst of this crooked and perverse nation that we would shine holding forth your word of life that others may see you, may be drawn to you and have the joy that you desire for them to have. In Jesus' name, amen.